I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. My days working, taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly, get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. 2024 is going to be a monster year in politics. We want to keep you up to date on all things election, but you've got lives, families, jobs, and you can't always listen every day to the show. That's why we've created a podcast called 24 that gives a recap of our election coverage from the week. Think of it like a highlight reel, a breakdown of all the plays, analysis, and team interviews. 24 will drop at noon Eastern on Sundays in our podcast feed. You can find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Thursday edition of the program. And we can say as we join you today... Something unprecedented in the truest sense of the word is actually underway. The states of Colorado and Maine are arguing that Donald Trump should not be on the ballot for the 2024 election because they are saying that he actually has violated the Constitution and is not eligible. And they are making the argument that he violated the Constitution uh, as it was amended to deal with Confederate soldiers. I am a Civil War history buff. I have to admit, Buck, I never thought that the legacy of the Civil War as it pertains to who's eligible to be uh, elected President of the United States would be a focal point of any Supreme Court uh, argument in my lifetime, certainly not in the 21st century. But that is where we are as the lawfare against Trump continues to build. I understand for a lot of people out there, it's kind of hard to even keep tabs on all of the different storylines out there circulating, whether it's E. Jean Carroll, whether it's Alvin Bragg, whether it's Letitia James and the business-related uh, uh, case, whether it's down in South Florida with the classified documents in Washington, D.C. with January 6th, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, with uh, with everything that happened in the in the state of Georgia, and now in front of the Supreme Court, unprecedented, as Colorado and Maine have taken 
Donald Trump off the ballot and are arguing that he is ineligible to be the president of the United States. Now, let's play a couple of cuts. Maybe we'll even go jump in and uh, and listen to a bit of this live as it is an unprecedented and historic argument that is currently taking place uh, in the Supreme Court. Uh, but here is Trump's attorney, Jonathan Mitchell, responding to questions from Katanji Brown-Jackson saying straight up it was not an insurrection, a strong part of his argument. Let's play cut one. I read your opening brief to accept uh, that those events counted as an insurrection, but then your reply seemed to suggest that they were not. So what is your position as to that? We never accepted or conceded in our opening brief that this was an insurrection. What we said in our opening brief was President Trump did not engage in any act that can plausibly be characterized as insurrection. All right, so this why would not this not engage. be an insurrection? What is your argument that it's not? Your reply brief says that it wasn't because I think you say um, it did not involve an organized attempt to overthrow right. the government. So That's one of many reasons. But for an insurrection, there needs to be an organized, concerted effort to overthrow the government of the United States through violence. And this and so the point is that a chaotic effort to overthrow the government is not an insurrection? No, we didn't concede that it's an effort to overthrow the government either, Justice Jackson. Right? None of these criteria were met. This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. The events were shameful, criminal, violent, all of those things, but did not qualify as insurrection, as that term is used in Section 3. Okay. That is excellent work by that attorney on the absolutely critical issue here, Clay. I remember I wrote, I think it was back in 2020 or 2021, uh, an op-ed where I just said, anyone who says this is an insurrection is an idiot or a liar. It's clearly not an insurrection. And let's just take a step back. I think the lawyer there did a good job of arguing this on behalf of the Trump campaign. But keep in mind, it's not just a person here that they are saying was trying to overthrow the government. They are explicitly stating that the commander-in-chief of the most powerful military in the history of the world, in all of human history somehow was trying to overthrow the government without a single armed person doing anything to anyone, okay? That somehow the guy who has at his disposal the nuclear codes, the branches of the United States military, now you could say the military would have refused a lawful order, okay, but if Trump had told, you know, a, a marine expeditionary Anyone force. in the military at all, Buck. Right. Hey, I need you to go to the Capitol and try to prevent an, a, a proceeding from taking place. That's an insurrection. That's an insurrection. And it, and it's not hard. He, he was somebody who had the full capability to try an insurrection if Donald Trump had wanted to. And it would have been a definitional, it would have been the clearest possible insurrection, which is party in power says, you know what, we're using the military to subvert the democratic process and overthrow the peaceful transfer of power. If Trump had did that, yes, it would have been an insurrection. We would not be sitting here arguing about this. It would have been clear. Okay, that's not what happened. And I'm sorry, but we can't forget the political party and the political ideology, the Democrats, who embraced months of riots to intimidate the American population going into an election year and pretended that somehow people burning down buildings and looting drugstores and punching cops and throwing bottles of urine at them, not one time at one overexcited protest, but for months and months for the summer of BLM 2.0 in 2020, that they lionized these individuals, that they held them up as civil rights heroes, they're going to lecture us now and try to prevent the political process from playing out based on 
our riot that happened? That's really how this is going to go? I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy that the Supreme Court, I think, Clay, is going to come to the right conclusion here. But it's, everyone should be appalled at the fact that you're, Sotomayor and Katanji Brown Jackson, Jackson, I can assure you, think this was an insurrection. And if they could, they would keep Donald Trump off the ballot. I don't think you're going to get a 9-0 here. I hope we get a 9-0. I think we I will? hope we get a 9-0. Wait, wait, do you, do you think we I, will? I don't. I, I think Katanji Brown Jackson and Sotomayor are going to say this was an insurrection. Trump should be off the ballot. That's how... I, by the way, I hope that I'm wrong because that's yeah. appalling, but I think that they will, and that tells you a lot. Well, if that happens, um, I hope Elena Kagan at least leaves behind. The, my biggest concern, Buck, is that we get a 6-3 verdict, right? And it is everybody on the left of the Supreme Court says Trump should be removed from a ballot, and then they have to file a dissent, and they have to set that precedent as a dissent out there for Years and years into the future, hundreds of years, hopefully, maybe even a thousand years. Who knows how long uh, our republic will stand. But the precedent that they set here is going to echo throughout generations. So that's why I hope it's an I know. I, I hope it is an I know. Um, I fear that it's going to be a 6-3. I hope at minimum, to your point, that it's a 7-2. So at least Elena Kagan can uh, break off and not be straight political in so terms of can, the can lines I tell you of how I the think, demarcation are. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, I, I might now want to amend and say it, it'll be six three. I am very confident that Sotomayor and Jackson will uh, will go along with this this fantasy, this mythology that it's an insurrection, and and also how do you have due process if it's just an argument in the in the public square that you can be taken off because people say so, right? I mean, the, the whole thing is nuts. Yeah. Um, the public square argument is the ballot box. That's how this, the only way that this whole thing for Trump should be solved and any adult, any like sentient, emotionally stable adult can see this is let the people vote. Let's see what the American people actually really think, right? I mean, that's, but I, I think Kagan, I, I didn't want to skip past this. Um, Kagan knows that as a matter of law, this is absurd, but she's also a leftist. And she may feel too much pressure. You know what I mean? I think she recognizes yeah. in her heart that this is crazy, but she may go along with the other two because this is so emotionally uh, devastating to, to the left, the fact that Donald Trump may actually be able to run and win. I think the idea of it being a dissent that you have to write, and I, I for people out there who don't really think a lot about this, Scalia was an expert at this. There have been many great dissenters over the course of uh, the Supreme Court's history. And the great thing about a dissent is you're writing for the future an argument that you believe in today. And you're trying to lay the groundwork to win a case, maybe 20, 50, maybe 100 years from now, based on a really strong argument that you firmly believe in that could carry the day in the future. The one reason why I'm optimistic a little tiny bit, Buck, that we could get a 9-0 is I think this dissent, if they say that Trump should be taken off the ballot, I think when you move away from the pa passions of the moment, which is what a court is supposed to do, not be taken up. What did Benjamin Franklin say back in the day? Passion rules and she never rules wisely. A lot of times... The moment, you know, think about Buck, what they said. I mean, uh, Korematsu, 
I believe it was, where they said, hey, you can put Japanese people in internment camps, uh, and it takes a long time. And the Supreme Court upheld it, right? That's, you know, the, the, the know. federal That's branch what... did it, and then the Supreme Court said, yeah. And, and that was obviously reacting in real time to what was going on um, in in the World War II elements and, and the passions of the moment. And then they come back on it, and they're like, man, this was an embarrassment of the court. I think 20 years, 40 years from now, this could be an embarrassment to the court. Um, and uh, and I think writing a dissent, Kagan, I think, would get that better than most. Uh, Sotomayor, you may be right, and Katanji Brown-Jackson may be such leftist that they would not be able to uh, to, to rise to the level of, of thinking about the history that they're making and what that dissent would look like for years to come. Um, and by the way, there are people out there who are intelligent. We should play this. I mean, this is Judge... Uh, Former federal judge Luttig, um, who is a, uh, who is a Republican and is a conservative and obviously hates Trump, but he was one of these individuals who even started this argument. To be fair, it's not just leftists who have made the argument that Trump, I disagree with it, but it's not just leftists who have made this argument. Here's cut two, uh, that there is, I don't know, 20% of the legal community probably that would subscribe to the idea that Trump is not eligible anymore. Here is Luttig, um, a former federal uh, 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 circuit court judge, I think. Listen to him. Cut to. There's no question whatsoever that the former president engaged in an insurrection against the Constitution when he attempted to remain in power beyond his constitutional term of four years. This is precisely the insurrection that disqualifies one under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But there's such massive political consequences that although the Supreme Court ought not consider those, undoubtedly they will consider them. But the Constitution requires the disqualification of the former president. Okay, Clay, hold on a second. First of all, that... It's a horrible argument, okay, because all you have then is any partisan state can keep at any point in time a presidential candidate off the ballot because they say so. Okay, there's no process here. Trump has not been adjudicated to have engaged in any crime, never mind insurrection. But beyond that, for a second, you look at this, they're conflating, and I think this is critical, they're conflating the Trump efforts, which they've also tried to criminalize, but put that aside, they're conflating the Trump efforts to challenge via legal argument the election outcome and people on their own volition gathering and then some portion of those people it was remember there were a hundred thousand people gathered in dc and a few thousand of them went to the capitol and then even a smaller percentage of that engaged in actual criminal behavior and they're acting like those are the same thing effectively trump having his legal team questioning different things and coming up with strategies whether you agree with the strategies or not is not the same thing as people breaking the law and attacking cops on Capitol Hill. Did Trump say attack cops? Did Trump say stop the peaceful transfer of power? No, in fact, he's on video saying, have your voices heard peacefully. Now, they can be upset that Trump didn't shut it down sooner. We can be upset that this is a political blunder that, you know, we still have to deal with years later. But nonetheless, they're conflating Trump legal arguments with criminal acts. And then the even bigger conflation is... The criminal acts of a riot amounting to an insurrection. There are leaps here that simply are not in evidence. I want to play a couple of more cuts as we move through this hour, because I think this is such a significant day. And I think that's well said. Um, 
And the other thing I would, I would ask people to think about is, Buck, what would the political process look like today if Jan 6 never happened? I, 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 they probably are still coming after Trump for calls that he made surrounding Georgia and everything else. But I think the legacy of January 6th for Democrats as a politically cogent message is dying a little bit more every day. Uh, and we'll talk about that as well. And I think ultimately this question comes down to, and I think in the back of their minds that the justices are going to be thinking about it. Um, do we want 150 million people to be able to make a choice about whether or not they think Trump is qualified to be president of the United States? Or do we want nine jurors sitting on the Supreme Court right now? And I would even extend it further, Buck, or 12 members of a jury in Washington, D.C. I want as many people as possible weighing in as opposed to as few. This is a fundamentally political question. And Democrats subverting the political process in the name of saving it are doing violence to the Constitution. Well said. Um, look, I just, I'm out in Las Vegas right now. I landed, uh, right after our show. You guys heard I had to leave early. Came out here running around. Our great boss, Julie Talbot, uh, is, uh, is out here running Premier, doing so many different events. I'm going to leave here, go run around all day as well. Uh, I need a little bit of energy. Not going to lie. Drinking my coffee right now. Need my chalk. Our buddy Seton, who runs chalk. He's trying to give you more vim, vigor, vitality for those days out there where you just need a little bit of extra juice, a little bit more energy. And maybe you're finding yourself needing energy way more than you used to. Uh, you know, Gerard, who's married to our producer, Ali, he loves Chad mode. Buck, when he gets on the Chad mode, is just a ball of absolute hyperkinetic energy. Make a difference for you, too. Mel Vitality Stack will help drive more testosterone into your body, all natural, 20% increase over the course of three months. Uh, you can get the Mel Vitality Stack Ultimate Daily Boost for American Men. And now, through the end of the month, Chalk is offering a massive discount on any subscription for life. That's exclusive to you. Visit choq.com. Use my name, Clay, to unlock this exclusive February-only offer. Trust me. Get some energy in your life. Put more testosterone back into your daily activities at choq.com. That's choq.com. Promo code Clay. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Making sense in an insane world. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com news and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com news. Identity theft protection starts here. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons, 
One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. 45 himself, President Trump, is addressing the Supreme Court oral arguments right now live. Let's join that in progress and let you hear from him. Did we literally join right as he finished? Q and A. Having said that, though, speak to the argument, legal and otherwise, that your detractors have made leading up to today. And it's an argument that was given voice by Commissioner McConnell, the Senate Republican leader, not one. All right, I got it. I got the gist. No question. Yeah, I got the gist. President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. He doesn't say that anymore. So let me just tell you that I heard and I watched. And the one thing I'll say is they kept saying about what I said right after the insurrection. I think it was an insurrection caused by Nancy Pelosi. This was an insurrection, if it was an insurrection, which there were no guns, there were no anything except for the fact that they shot Ashley Babbitt. Somebody from police force shot Ashley Babbitt. So unnecessary, so sad, so horrible. But there were no guns, there were no anything. But if you take a look at my words... Right after, you take a look at my speech from the Rose Garden, which was very shortly after, or you take a look at my, I'm only on truth now, but at that time we were tweeting and I was on Twitter. If you take a look at those five or six tweets, you will see very beautiful, very heartwarming statements. Go home, the police are doing their job, etc., etc. Beautiful statements. If you see my statement made in the Rose Garden, I think you have to watch that. 
Because today they said the words of Trump. Now, if you take a look at the words of Democrats over the last period of time, look at Schumer's statement about the Supreme Court on the steps of the Supreme Court. He sounded like a mob boss. Take a look at uh, any of them. Take a look at any. We, we put together a tape of vicious, violent statements made by Democrats. Nobody brings that up. Take a look at Maxine Waters and the vicious statements that she made. I didn't do that. I said peacefully and patriotically. The speech was called peacefully and patriotically. It's pe peacefully and patriotically. He said I said bad statement. It was the exact opposite. So I think you should take a look at the statements that I made uh, before and after, and you'll see a whole a whole different uh, dialogue. Mr. President, Mr. President, you just mentioned Chinese President Xi. Uh, you said that you were going to impose 60% tariffs to get back in office. Can you explain your rationale here? We want to bring business back to the U.S. They're stealing our business. They're taking our business at levels that nobody's ever seen before. By doing that, we bring business back, manufacturing back to the United States, which I was doing. I took in hundreds of billions of dollars from China. No president had ever taken in 10 cents, not 10 cents. I took in hundreds of billions of dollars and jobs were coming back. I was saving steel companies. Now they are blowing it. When I see U.S. steel being bought by Japan, what a sad thing that is to me. What a sad thing that is. So we want to bring jobs back. Very simple. Thank you. I do have confidence in him. I very much do. I think he's very, he's a very good man, and I have great confidence in him. Why do you think Nikki Haley's still in the race when you're dominating in the polls? Oh, I love that question. Thank you very much. You just said it. Uh, I don't know why she continues, but let her continue. Uh, we have a big one coming up, as you know, in South Carolina, and the polls are indicating that we're. We're through the roof on that one. We're, we're leading by, I guess, 35 percent, 35 points. Uh, so I don't know. I think she hurts herself, but I think she hurts the party and in a way hurts the country. But it seems to be dying. She did poorly in Iowa. She did very poorly in uh, Iowa, actually. She came in third place. Ron DeSantis beat her, although you wouldn't know that if you listened to her speech. Uh, she did poorly in uh, New Hampshire. She did poorly no matter where she went. I, I don't know how... The results aren't in yet from the Virgin Islands, but I know she's playing it very hard. And in Nevada, she she lost to no name. She had a no name, and she lost by, I guess, 40 points. So uh, I don't know why she continues, but she's a, uh, you know, I, I don't really care if she continues. It's, uh, it's uh, I think it's bad for the party. I think it's actually bad for her, too. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I can say presidential immunity, which we'll be talking about because that will be upcoming, is very, very important for a president. If a president doesn't have immunity, he really doesn't have a presidency. Uh, he can be. Uh, he can be told to do things that he would never do. He could do really bad things for our country. Presidential immunity is imperative. It's going to be very, very important. And I'd rather talk about that next week. But there is nothing more important to a presidency than immunity. 
because they have to be free to make decisions without saying, oh, if I do this or if I do that, as soon as I get out of office, we're going to be indicted. We're going to have trouble. And the other party will do that. I think we've seen that. They've done that. There's some very bad people. And you have an opposition party, and they will do things that are very bad. If you don't have immunity, you can be blackmailed. You can be, as a president, they'll say, if you don't do this, this, and this, we're going to indict you as soon as you leave office. You cannot allow a president to be out there without immunity. They don't have immunity. You don't have a presidency. You lose all, excuse me, you lose all, you lose all form of... We're going to have, by the way, we're going to go ahead and pull out of here. Uh, we're going to have the crew modestly a historic hearing that occurred today over whether Colorado and Maine can pull Donald Trump off of their ballot. But if we're talking about Trump v. Biden, which I think we're going to be talking about for like the next nine months, Joe Biden couldn't do what you just heard for the last six minutes. I don't think Joe Biden can stand in front of the media, have everybody yelling at him, pick one person, not know what they're going to be asking, and respond directly to the question at hand. He can't physically and mentally do that right now buck and it's it shouldn't be that that shouldn't be something that you're impressed by right every president of the united states should be able to do what trump is doing right now maybe for the first time in any of our lives we have a president who can't do that basic requirement i I just i don't know if anybody who is a persuadable is going to change their mind based I, i think we've known that biden is is uh declining for a long time um, and they're going to hide him, and they're going to try to cover up for him. Trump just walked away, by the way, so the uh, press conference is over, or, you know, impromptu press conference, if you will, the Q&A. Uh, Clay, but back to the Supreme Court arguments that happened. Um, here, here's the thing. The the state of Colorado's argument is, is, is pretty much preposterous, and I think that all of the justices know that at some level. Um, you know, and there, there, there was some skepticism, even by the most left-wing justices on the court, of the argument. Here's the issue. If they give a 9-0, a 9-0 decision on this, um, in the, in advance of the Trump immunity case, in advance of all of the four criminal prosecutions even being able to go to the court, right, whether they happen or not, none of them will have gone to court. The Supreme Court is effectively handing Trump a, look at this, they're using lawfare against me, Exhibit A. I mean, it couldn't be any more clear. So I, I think if if it's not a 9-0 decision on this Colorado issue, it's really just a function of a, a handful of members of the court just refuse to give Trump that legal victory because it's really a political victory as well. Yeah, I think that's well said. Also, it feels a little bit like the Mueller report to me in the context of leftists just keep getting fired up. They are... Charlie Brown running up to just nail the football every time they think they have got Trump and they make all these arguments and the New York Times editorial page is fired up and they get all their, uh, you know, legal scholars lined up behind it. If they get a 9-0 here, it is Lucy pulling the football. It's worse than the Mueller report. Remember they, they, all the t-shirts they were selling? Like, Robert Mueller is gonna finally put Trump in the, in the, where he belongs. In and Mueller I can't we trust. Yeah. Yes. In Mueller we trust. And now the Supreme Court, it, to your point, if it's 9-0, and it should be 9-0, I think we need to talk about how just messy all of this is. I think that Democrats have gotten so gleeful in their pursuit of Trump 
that they've got so many different legal proceedings underway, Buck, that I think if you're an average guy or gal out there and you are going about your day and you're raising your kids or you're taking your grandkids around, you can't even keep up. There's like nine different legal proceedings going on right now. If they had one case that everybody was focused on, yes, there's higher stakes because you have to win on that one. But by throwing all of this scattershot style at the wall, it feels like to me they've diluted all of the individual attacks on Trump I mean, well, because I, it's just a big mess. How many how many legal challenges against Trump can the anti-Trump resistance lose before swing state voters, independents, reasonable people of decent emotional stability just say this is a scam? Right? Yes. Irrespective, you know, you, you can't bring nine phony cases against me and tell me, oh, but the tenth one is the one that, that's really about justice, right? And that's where we are. And I think that's, that's really the, uh, the Achilles heel of this entire situation for the Democrats. But we'll see. We'll continue to follow closely. We'll take some of your calls on it. We got Julie Kelly on this. Busy day here on Clay and Buck. Let's talk about the Tunnel to Towers Foundation for a moment though. And the Let Us Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's a community of about a hundred homes being built for the foundation's program recipients. Families are already living there. It includes a gold star family and the families of two severely injured veterans who live in new smart homes. The Let Us Do Good Village is a special place where families can heal. It's a community where the children of our nation's fallen or severely injured heroes can grow up together and support each other. It's all thanks to an extraordinary donation of many acres of land and your generosity. Help America's greatest heroes and their families heal together. Make the Let Us Do Good Village the first of many communities like it. With every mortgage-free home, the foundation makes good on its promise to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for our country and our communities. Join us in donating $11 a month to Tunnel the Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Subscribe to CNB 24-7 and never miss a minute of Clay and Buck while getting behind-the-scene access to special content for members only. Second hour, Clay and Buck kicks off now. We're diving deep into the Supreme Court arguments from uh, earlier this morning where you had the state of Colorado trying to explain to, as even the New York Times views it, a very skeptical Supreme Court including uh, some of the questions, at least, from the leftist uh, justices there about whether Donald Trump can be taken off the ballot in Colorado. Remember, there was a similar action that was sort of tried in Maine, but actually the Maine Secretary of State, if memory serves, said, well, I'm going to do this thing by taking Trump off, but I'm going to stay my own hand until we know what the court says. So, you know, they're, they're, they're playing games. Um but in Colorado, I, I think now the question is not, will Trump be on the ballot? The question is the degree of humiliation that those who push this forward as a legal argument um, are going to suffer. Meaning, is it going to be 5-4, 7-2, 6-3, Some are thinking it could even be 9-0. Um, I think some people are saying... I think that it is, uh, well, the more you, the more you dig into some of the questions, I think, on this one, Clay, the harder it is to imagine for anything other than the purest politics, a justice could view this 
as anything other than an opportunity for a 9-0, but I do think the politics of the furthest left members of the court uh, could reign supreme here, and you could get like a 7-2 situation. Julie Kelly will be with us in the third hour. She was there today, um, and she tweeted this out. It is clear that the SCOTUS decision will not even be close, and it will represent a total humiliation to so many legal experts and historians, in quotes, who filed amicus briefs to defend Colorado's actions. That's true, Clay. There, there's a collateral damage of credibility here. How could anyone think in, in, you know, how could anyone approach this and believe that there was an honest argument here that what they were doing was one, justified and legal and two, didn't set the most awful precedent for presidential elections going forward? I believe the Colorado court, if I remember correctly, Buck, ruled 4-3. Yes, it was close. Uh, it was narrow. Very narrow. And they have seven Democrats on the Colorado Supreme Court, is my is my understanding. There is no Republican representative. And the crew can look that up and confirm it's 100% true. But what I also remember, and this, three this two, was 3-2, but was it 4-3? Four, four, I think it was 3-2. Anyway. I thought it was, and it was by one. Uh, yes, it, it was, was by know, one. Basically, a split. Um, but what I also recall seeing is that the justices that were in the majority in Colorado were all Ivy League law school graduates, and the justices that refused to sign on to the idea of taking Trump off the ballot uh, were all sort of state college graduates and some people out there may say well what 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 is the implication of that um i would argue that the elite law schools often have become such laboratories for left-wing outrageousness that sometimes they lose their understanding and common sense and this is the this is the line that i gave last week i think buck if I were giving Trump advice with all this lawfare that is before the courts now, I would just keep coming back again and again to let the people decide. The very foundation of a democratic republic is that the people get to decide if they are going to elect a leader or not. Yeah. And if you truly think that you're trying to preserve democracy, the idea that you would try to put it in the hands of nine Supreme Court justices, or that you would put it in the hands of 12 jurors in a Washington, D.C., or a New York City courtroom, or a South Florida courtroom, or an Atlanta, Georgia courtroom, is a direct attack. And it's also 12 people are, in my opinion, more likely to get something wrong than 150 million are. I mean, we believe in the wisdom of crowds. Let people decide whether they believe Trump is qualified to be president or not. That's the very essence of democracy itself. We also believe in the madness of crowds, but <laughs> yes, in the case things, of voting... Yes, in the case of voting, yeah. I, I I see your point. Um, I, I would I would add to this a couple things. One, it, it should fundamentally be a political question. You and I see this exactly the same way. I think any reasonable, honest person sees it that way at this point. Because think about what's being argued here. Trump is a danger to the country that they are terrified he would duly uh he would be the duly elected president of again. So. There's clearly a wisdom and judgment disconnect here when their biggest concern is that, you know, the process we have would lawfully elect him again. And I think that's why you get people like here, David Axelrod, who say what you will about him. He's a, uh, a savvy political knife fighter uh, and was was very much instrumental in Obama's rise. 
Axelrod is saying, look, this this effort to get Trump off the ballot, this is cut three. It's disruptive. That's an interesting way to put it. Play three. I'm not here as an apologist for Donald Trump, and I'm certainly not here as a lawyer. But I'm sure that uh, one of the things the Supreme Court has to consider is what is the impact of a decision like that? I'm trying to imagine what it would be like if the Supreme Court said, we're removing the front-running Republican candidate from the ballot and essentially saying to the American people, you won't have the opportunity to vote for him. And I think it would be very, very disruptive uh, in this country. I think it, it, it will uh, yeah. create a huge reaction, and that worries me. That is That is the astute observation of the opposition here in all this. He hates Trump. I'm sure he thinks Trump is terrible for the country, yada, yada, all of that. But he recognizes, Clay, this is fundamentally absurd. I mean, the, the, the notion that you're going to kick this guy off the ballot because the state of Colorado is run by libs and they don't want him to run, it's crazy. I mean, the the view of this from Normalville is, when did the other side lose their minds? Yeah, and this is why I hope that the three liberals on the court are going to look past Trump. Look past Trump into the decades, into potentially the hundreds of years to come, and ask the question, Trump's going to move on, right? Every president is at some point in time going to be left behind to history to be judged. And so are these opinions. And if you bend the law to go after Trump, you are setting an awful precedent going forward. There's a great legal aphorism, Buck. Uh, tough cases make bad law. Trump is, for the left, a tough case because they have bought into the idea that he is a unique threat in a way that a Republican in our life has never been and a Democrat in our life has never been. That's what he's been branded as. And so I hope that they are willing, Katanji Brown-Jackson, uh, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor, I hope they're willing to look at this and say, look, Trump will be gone in 2028. If he wins the election, he's term limited out, he's gone. Whatever precedent we put in place here is going to outlive all of us. And so we don't know what the future is going to hold, but trying to get Trump off here, this could come back and bite you. And let me hit you with this, Buck. Uh, we know things went poorly for the idea of keeping Trump off the ballot when the headline right now at the New York Times is this. You'll appreciate this. Here's the headline. Justices appear skeptical of arguments to kick Trump off state ballots. I would say that's right. accurate. Opening opening sentence from the, the 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 article book, the Supreme Court seemed poised to issue a lopsided decision rejecting a challenge to Donald Trump's eligibility to hold office again. When the Supreme Court has that as the lead, that was an ass kicking book. Yeah, when the New York Times is writing that, you know that there's obviously something that they're preparing the audience for here, and there's a lot of that going on right. But there are so many. Briefs, amici, uh, amicuses, whatever, that, that went along with this. And these are all people that are supposed to be so esteemed in the legal profession. If they're, if you're writing an amicus brief for a nine, uh, we don't know if it's going to be nine oh. I still think it's probably going to be seven two, but I could be wrong. Um, if it's a nine oh decision from the court, it looks like you have no idea what constitutional law really is. Cause to get all nine of them on the same page and agree on something, there's really no wiggle room there, right? Because then it's outside the realm of politics. It has to be just the most obvious and blatant uh, legal interpretation, possible constitutional interpretation. 
And I, I think that I told our team at the top, I said, guys, I know we've got, you know, the, the actualities from the hearing and we've got smart legal people who are going to be weighing in. We got Julie Kelly who was there. She'll be talking to us the next hour. Let's go over to MSNBC. It's just a version of what you're talking about, Clay, which is what the New York Times is doing where they have to, they have to do this thing where they tell, it's like they're, it's like they're an employee who's scared to tell the boss about the bad numbers for the quarter, you know? The yeah. anchors at MSNBC have to tell their audience now, hey guys, you know how that whole Colorado thing that we said was awesome and like totally going to stop Trump? Yeah, it's kind of falling apart right now, just to let you know. We're not sure how bad, but it's pretty bad. Because what else are they going to do? I mean, they've been promising this and this is why I, I, it all, it ties directly into the Joe Biden situation and why I believe, you know, they, their plan has actually been to have him as the nominee. Because Clay, if the entire focus is going to be on Trump and the lawfare against Trump, then the incumbent as milk toast, boring and inconsequential as he can seem, that's what they want to go for. But if you start to have the lawfare unravel, then you do have a real problem here, right? Because then all of a sudden the guy who's you know, the, the, so they would say in the military, the gray man, so to speak, like the guy who you don't really see, you don't really pay attention to. That's not who you want as your presidential nominee going up against Trump. I'm just picturing what Trump would be like if the Supreme Court rules 9-0 in his favor. I mean, can you imagine the press conference that he's going to immediately have and the way that he's going to describe the Supreme Court opinion and the victory. I mean, if it's 9-0, he'll be take. talking about beautiful Sotomayor decision, <laughs> fantastic from Katanji Brown-Jackson. I mean, he that's the one thing for a political purpose. I wonder whether Katanji Brown-Jackson and Sonia Sotomayor, and to a lesser extent Elena Kagan, are willing to let Trump have the victory lap. But remember, Colorado created this. Colorado gave, potentially, Trump the opportunity to rise up, maybe get a 9-0 decision. I think at a minimum it's probably going to be at least 7-2, and get a really substantial victory that also allows him to say that they are trying to rig the game against him. And if the Supreme Court didn't step in and and make this decision then a lot of other states would follow Colorado's lead. That's the scary thing to me, Buck. If the Supreme Court came out and said, even if it was 5-4, hey, we think Trump can be pulled off the ballot, 20 other states would immediately follow Colorado's lead. I mean, you're talking about Trump not appearing on the ballot in half the country, which we haven't seen since going all the way back to 1860 uh, when Abraham Lincoln got elected. This reminds me of one of those... uh Great quotes that's attributed to various people, but we use it anyway because who cares where it came from? It's great. It's worse than a crime. It's a blunder. Some people say Talleyrand. Some people say other French guy. Um, this looks like for the Democrats worse than a crime. It's a blunder, meaning not only are, is what they do is what they're doing underhanded and wrong in Colorado. It looks like it's blowing up in their face. Yes. Yes. And. Again, if you think Trump, I don't know how quickly this opinion is going to come out, but I would say whatever the opinion is here, we need to have a little bit of a conversation. There are probably going to be at least two more Supreme Court opinions directly relating to Trump and the 2024 election. And so even if this one's 9-0, I would say you got to watch out for the presidential immunity argument, which I don't think is likely to go as well for Trump, although we will see. And then also the uh, half of the charges that Jack Smith has brought under the Jan 6 related uh, charges, they may well get tossed out. In fact, I think they are. 
And we'll talk with Julie Kelly about all of that. But to have three different cases that we know of, and there may well be more, that the Supreme Court is going to end up hearing. Remember, Trump, I believe, Buck, has to decide Monday to appeal to the United States Supreme Court the decision that came out this week from the D.C. Court of Appeals. And 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 all of this is just, I mean, it is just truly a series of unprecedented and somewhat chaotic aspects of what is going to be the wildest election maybe of any of our lives. And this is why Nikki Haley is doing SNL, by the way, because the the Republican primary feels like a sideshow to the yeah. main event, which is this stuff that they're doing against Trump and, and what it means for not just this election cycle, but for the future of the Republic, as we've been discussing. Um, speaking of shows, apparently there's a big one. I'm told there is a large football game that will be yes, played that is true, Buck. This, this Sunday. The football players with many people watching them. Look, guys, I'm excited. I know we got the big game coming up Sunday. I'm just kidding. And there's no better way to turn $10 into $250 than making your picks on prize picks. I'm doing it. Clay's doing it. So many of you in the audience are already enjoying the fun of using the prize picks app. Select two or more players and then pick more or less on their projection on a wide variety of stats. Place your entry. It's that easy. A great time to do it right now. I mean, in advance of the big game, this way, when you're watching it with family members, you can say, oh, you know, I'm I'm going to be up this money, or maybe you're going to be down some money, or whatever. It's still fun. doesn't matter. The point is, you want to get your picks in and use the prize picks app. Clay, you're... Are we waiting to get your picks, or are you giving them to us you now? You are getting my picks. No, I'm going to give them the final segment of the show today. I'll echo them again tomorrow. The picks, the wins, all of the success coming to all of you. It's going to be as consequential as the Supreme Court hearing earlier today. Big win coming. Last segment of the show. All right, last segment of the show, you'll get them. But just remember, you're either going to win money by going with Clay or we're all going to be throwing rotten tomatoes at him if we lose money. So it's <laughs> it's win-win, folks. Prize Picks app. Download the Prize Picks app. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. Come on, in advance of the big game, you want to get in on this? Clay's going to give you his picks later. Download that Prize Picks app today. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on, on the, the front, front lines, lines of truth. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation made a promise to ensure we never forget. Since then, Tunnel to Towers has been committed to supporting America's heroes and their families. Heroes like U.S. Army Specialist Michael Hook. Hook was killed in Iraq when his helicopter was shot down. He enlisted in the military after graduating high school and left behind a pregnant fiancé who gave birth to a son that he would never meet. But thanks to the generosity of friends like you, Tunnel to Towers paid off the mortgage on his family's home, relieving a financial burden and bringing stability. The foundation helps Gold Star and fallen first responder families, as well as our nation's most severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. America's heroes are counting on you. 95 cents of every dollar you give goes directly to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices our heroes have made for us. Welcome back in uh, Clay Travis Buck Sexton Show, Thursday edition of the program. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I am out in Las Vegas. Buck is in Miami. Uh, we're getting ready for, we're getting ready for the Super Bowl. We'll give you some fun picks here at the end, but it is an historic day in Washington, D.C., which is where Julie Kelly is. Uh, she was there for the Supreme Court arguments about whether or not Trump could be removed from the ballot in Colorado specifically, but also Maine then tried to follow in the wake of Colorado. It was a beatdown uh, of epic proportions for those of you who listened to that argument or have heard some of the clips that we have played. Uh, so I'll start right here off the top, Julie. You were there. You watched it. If you had to predict what the Supreme Court uh, is going to do here, what are the votes going to be in this particular case, having heard how it went, what would you predict? I mean, I think anywhere from 7-2 to two to a 9-0 decision. And you can even see the long faces on MSNBC and CNN and look at the post by Andrew Weissman and others, and they they seem to concede that this was a – huge defeat for Colorado uh, and their uh, their team, their defendants, and the Secretary of State there because they were really obliterated by all of the justices, um, some more than others. But I think that it's pretty common knowledge. Our expectation is that, um, that the Supreme Court will reverse the Colorado Supreme Court. Again, it was only a 4-3 decision of all Democratic-appointed judges, by the way, so this uh, Section 314th Amendment controversy or late, that latest attempt to remove Trump and others from the ballot uh, should uh, should be a, a done deal in terms of not being applicable, certainly to Donald Trump. Julie, the 
uh, arguments as, as you were hearing them. I mean, one thing that has already come up, uh, they seem very sensitive over at MSNBC about whether this could be viewed in any way as a challenge to the notion of an insurrection in the first place. What do you make of that? Well, there was some pushback. Not as much, of course, as I would have liked to hear the justices push back on the idea that this was indeed an insurrection. But there was doubt expressed as to the process and what the Colorado attorney, uh, Murray, had to concede, you know, and he, he, he was very confident in his argument, of course, but he said, look, this was a five-day trial. Donald Trump had the opportunity to come and, and testify. He didn't. He really didn't defend himself. Well, no one was really taking that trial seriously. I mean, when you have Eric Swalwell as your star witness, right then and there, it should lose credibility. So you did hear justices, especially Amy Coney Barrett, express concern over Trump's due process rights being violated. And this, uh, you know, this judge, remember that the district judge did say, too, that, yes, she believed that Trump was involved in an insurrection, but she didn't believe that Section 314th Amendment applied. But what the justices pushed back on is, well, what was the evidence? And at one point, uh, the attorney for Colorado said to Justice Alito, I believe, um, we'll just go look at the record because he said, well, what proof do you have of an insurrection? He said, well, go look at the record. And Alito said, what record? Because, of course, they just want you to look at the January 6th committee report and the videos that they produced and think that that was enough. So there was a little pushback, not as much as I would have liked, but this certainly will do some damage to the uh, narrative that Trump insurrection incited this insurrection on January 6th. Okay, we think, Julie, and this I know for a lot of people out there, it's hard to keep track on all this, and thank you for all the work you're doing keeping track on these cases. We think there are going to be three cases before the Supreme Court, probably, relating to Trump in 2024. This one, which I, I agree with you, and I think Buck would agree as well, at worst 7-2, at best, it would be 9-0, and I really do hope they get to 9-0. Uh, we've got the obstruction case, which I'm going to ask you to, uh, to to explain to people out there as well. And then Trump probably on Monday is going to appeal his presidential powers argument to the Supreme Court, too. Um, what do you expect? The next one up that we know for sure is the obstruction case to see whether or not two of the charges that, that Jack Smith brought against Trump are going to be uh, able to be tossed or valid or not. And then also the presidential powers case. Do you think the Supreme Court's going to take up presidential powers? How, if at all, do you think this ruling could impact the other two Supreme Court rulings? Great question. So let's start with the immunity appellate ruling that came down this week upholding Judge Chutkin's order from December that said that presidents are indeed subject to criminal prosecution. The appellate panel came back 3-0 upholding that. That will now go to the Supreme Court. Now, they put, they kind of gave Donald Trump an ultimatum, and they said, you need to file this application for an emergency stay before February 13th. Well, that requires five justices to agree to this emergency stay, which would basically put on hold the appellate ruling. Uh, If he doesn't, then he has to quickly expedite his, um, his, to, ask the full court to review the appellate court decision. Uh, that that could take time. They could put that on an expedited schedule. We should know more, you guys, next week 
how the Supreme Court responds to his application for the emergency stay on this appellate order. Um, so, so that definitely will get to the Supreme Court, and it will, I believe, at some point, because Jack Smith said that in his own filing. You recall that he tried to skip over the appellate court, took that rare step of going right to the Supreme Court and asking them to resolve the immunity question quickly. They denied that. But now you're basically going to have both sides on record asking the Supreme Court to, to consider this. So I don't see a way that they don't do that. But to your point, a bigger um, concern for Jack Smith, aside from the immunity issue, has to be this 1512C2 obstruction of an official proceeding. This is a felony that's been slapped against more than 320 J6ers, half of Jack Smith's indictment, four-count indictment against Donald Trump. The court already granted cert in that in December. And what that means is the court will probably in April hold oral arguments to determine whether this DOJ has appropriately interpreted, interpreted, sorry, and applied this post-Enron tampering with documents statute, which of course they haven't. So if the court, and we'll kind of know by oral arguments just like we did today, which way they might head, if it sounds like a majority of the court uh, is going to reverse how DOJ has interpreted that statute and applied it, that's going to spell big trouble for Jack Smith. So right now there's this collision course headed at the Supreme Court. We kind of know where the Colorado issue is going, but these are greater issues related to Trump's legal jeopardy and certainly the validity of Jack Smith's uh, case in Washington. Talking to Julie Kelly, declassified is her Substack. Please subscribe if you want uh, in-depth analysis and reporting on all these issues we're talking about here. Trump legal fight, uh, J6 situation, and more. And Julie, uh, at this stage, how confident are you in uh, the belief, one way or the other, that Democrats recognize that they have messed up? doesn't mean that it's over and they can't still get what they want, but Clay and I are looking at this, and given... What's happened, whether it's the uh, Atlanta prosecution with with Fonnie Willis, looks like that's completely Mm -hmm. falling apart. Uh, The New York prosecution is so weak that it may actually do more political damage to Democrats to bring it, regardless of the outcome. The Florida judge doesn't seem like she's going to get this thing fast-tracked before the election, although that could change. And then you've got the J6 stuff and D.C. trial, which we're talking about, do you think that they're desperate, or do you think that there's some sense that this is still going roughly according to their plan? I mean, I think the Washington case, especially with the immunity appeal, and look, I feel more confident about the Supreme Court's decision on the 1512 matter than I do on immunity, uh, unfortunately. So, and you know, this court is still po- political, even though they seemed in solidarity today. Um, they're going to have to split the baby somehow. They're not going to come out on Trump's side in the Colorado case and immunity and 1512C2. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so the question is what what get, what is decided which way. But to your point, definitely the Fannie Willis indictment, that whole case is, is falling apart. Her credibility pretty much shot. The New York case, we don't even really hear anything about. And more, and I'll tell you what happened in the Florida case this week, which I'm going to be writing about. Judge Aileen Cannon gave Jack Smith a major smackdown in court again, uh, basically saying he is attempting to keep under seal, protective orders under seal, information that should be made public. And so she filed an order this week 
saying that she is going to unseal information that Jack Smith has tried to steal, including, and I'm going to write about this this weekend, you guys, a separate third investigation, FBI investigation, into Donald Trump. So this is, aside from the classified documents one, and aside from the J6 one, she is ordering now the defense, Trump's team, who asked for it, she's going to permit that information to be unsealed and also another person, individual, we don't know who, that DOJ considered indicting, and I'll have speculation on that as well. So we could have major bombshells coming out of the classified documents case because Aileen Cannon, unlike most judges, is not acting as a rubber stamp for DOJ and uh, has denied a few times now Jack Smith's attempts to keep information under seal, not just from the public, but from Donald Trump and his co-defendants as well. Okay, last question for you, Julie, and that potentially is going to be really fascinating uh, in that classified documents case. So if we are right on timing roughly, right, and that obstruction case opinion is going to come out from the Supreme Court in late June, early July. Do you think, and obviously this is a prediction question, do you think they want to open with the Alvin Bragg case and that one in New York City could be going in March? Or do you think the earliest we could see Trump on trial criminally is maybe late July, early August at the absolute best? How would you assess the timeline right now based on what we know? All of it really depends on how the court handles the immunity issue. If they fast-track a decision on immunity, presidential immunity, if they come back quicker on a decision with that as opposed to 1512, if they uphold Judge Chutkin and the appellate panel and conclude that, yes, the president uh, is is subjected to criminal prosecution, that will restart the pretrial calendar in Washington. And depending on when that happens, you know, the time that's elapsed between December, when Judge Chutkin put that on hold because of the immunity appeal, uh, and any time that she has to make up there, that will restart the pretrial schedule. So it really depends on everything hinges really right now, at least federal cases, on this immunity issue. I don't think anyone, including the Democrats, certainly Jack Smith, want Elvin Bragg to get the first bite here uh, on a criminal trial. So... It will really know more next week how the court responds to Trump's application uh, to say we should get a better sense of the timetable then. Look at Julie Kelly's declassified on Substack. And, Julie, that's a real bombshell you just dropped here on the air, that there may have been another whole FBI investigation of Trump that we know nothing about so far. So you're going to dive into that, right? Yes, I'm going to have something on my Substack uh, this weekend that details what what I suspect it was, who was involved, including the Department of Justice and possibly Joe Biden's general counsel, speculation on what the FBI investigation was about, and who I believe one of two individuals in Trump world that they were also looking to indict. Wow. All right, Julie Kelly, everybody, declassified on Substack. Go subscribe. Julie, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Uh, Clay, uh, Alvin Bragg in New York, I should note, is right now at a press conference. This is the district attorney for New York, uh, city, uh, for Manhattan. And he is, uh, saying the grand jury has indicted seven in that attack of the NY, on the NYPD. This is the migrants who had a gang attack effectively on a police officer in New York City. It was on video. Everyone's outraged by it. Uh, so maybe we'll have some updates for you on that here momentarily. But in the meantime, 
You know, we like having a safe in our homes. It's the smartest way to store my collection of guns, valuables, gold, things that I have on hand. You know, I like watches. I've got some watches I like to store in the safe. But valuables, paperwork, passports, there just should be a safe in your home where you can keep this stuff and keep it safe. Liberty Safe has always protected your guns and valuables from fire and theft, but they also protect your privacy with an industry-leading set of privacy protections. In fact, they've recently increased their privacy measures to lead the industry one more time. Electronic safe locks from most manufacturers have a code to allow access if you're locked out. But Liberty Safe makes it easy for you to change or disable that code anytime. They believe your safe is your business, and Liberty Safe will help keep it that way. Shop at LibertySafe.com for a customized, fortress-strong Liberty Safe with one-of-a-kind locking bars and best-in-class fire protection. You're going to love having a safe in your home. It's peace of mind. And when you shop at LibertySafe.com slash radio, that's LibertySafe.com slash radio, you'll get a 10% extra discount for supporting safes made in America by Americans for Americans. You'll also get a free $60 value locking pistol vault with your Liberty Safe purchase. Go check it out now. LibertySafe.com slash radio. That's LibertySafe.com slash radio. 24, a new podcast from Clay and Buck covering all things election. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern. Find it on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another Round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.